Jesus, Jesus, Jesus likes girls. Jesus, 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 Jesus likes girls. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus likes girls. Hey everyone, it's Shay and Z, Warrior Princess for JC. Jesus likes girls. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Does that get stuck in your head? Likes girls. Yeah, it does too, and I love it. Yeah, so we need to shout out to um, Sharanova, my brightest diamond. Sharanova, who so graciously did our song for us, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, she's like a superstar. Yeah. She's traveled the world. Genius, beautiful, amazing singer. Yeah. All the, she's the whole package. She's beyond, and this I is thought like you were going to say she's Beyonce. So I didn't say it. that. But she does love Beyonce, and we are like a nothing podcast. We're like a podunk, tiny town, population 12. And um, she Excuse me, did we're the best podcast ever. We are the most... Downloaded. That's liked. right. <laughs> Number one, new and noteworthy, Jesus Likes Girls. Front page of uh, Vox. What? <laughs> I was gonna be like, what are we gonna be on the front page of? So we Christian today? Relevant magazine. <laughs> and so the time. Fact, the fact that she did our song is She is a generous, beautiful soul who right. loves yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And us. She And speaking to the better, better bigger world. And it might be a sign of things to come, you know, when we travel the world. Because currently, I just checked Anchor, and we have nine listens. Oh. My. God. I'm pretty sure eight of those are ours. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly. You eight beautiful women out there listening to us. We love you. Possibly all nine are us. (laughs) You don't know. You don't know. There might be eight magical lives transformed out there by the humor and candor of... It's not true. No. You don't know. No, I do know. Because literally I listened and then I looked and there's one more. <laughs> so it's not. So how was your day today? Mm, great. So far so good. Uh, well, I just got out of Christian yoga. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus stretched my muscles. She was singing a song during the teacher. Yeah. Okay. And she was miked because she has some vocal cord issues. Mm. So that was a little distracting for me. You think? <laughs> I feel like, um... I'm not really into Christian music generally, so... I know, if I like, If I want to listen to some Christian music, it's only going to be worship, basically. Or, or it's like, going to be something very specific by an artist I like. I'm in memo- menopause. That's what I was... I, I got here late because yeah. I went to Christian yoga, and the Christian yoga teacher was talking to me for a really long time. We were talking about menopause. And people can't believe that I'm actually in menopause. Like, do you think I'm going to fucking lie about it? Like, does anybody voluntarily want to be in menopause? <laughs> actually do. They do I'm jealous me. of all of my 40-something friends who are in menopause. Yeah, right. I'm serious. You are? Yes. Oh, because you don't want your periods anymore? Correct. Yeah, well, it comes with a whole lot of fucking baggage, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel like I'm going to get my period until I'm 80. <laughs> Well, you know what was surprising about this conversation? What? Was she proceeded to tell me and about how much she bled, and she was like, 
um, yeah, buckets and chunks. You know, and I was like, <laughs> no. I was like, well, how did I get to this point in my life where people <laughs> share? <laughs> oh God, the intricacies of their. I would have just like pushed her and ran out the door. <laughs> I hate that. Well, I people tell me they're. And it's always happened my whole I life. Know, I know. They're innermost secrets. Yeah. And so when it's happening about menopause, and I'm thinking, we're gonna, you're yeah, in it. I'm like, I'm all in. Right. And I'm thinking we're going to talk about the disappearance of our working memory. And then she starts telling me about her blood chunks. I was oh, like, God. Oh, oh, man. God. I guess there's pros and cons to the intimacy. Attract. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what time is it? <laughs> this class ended 40 minutes ago. <laughs> I have to get the hell out of here. Oh. <laughs> well, but, anyway, yeah, welcome to the you. podcast. This is Jesus Likes Girls. Oh, what? You're cutting my menopause discussion am, off? I You're am. like, Shannon, yeah. you've taken it too far. <laughs> Fine. It's over. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Um, yeah, today we're going to talk about two influential women in the current Christendom scene. One is the late and great Rachel Held Evans. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk about Maddie Bolt's Weber. Yes. I want to give a, a fist bump to the side, but nobody can see that. So She's got a fist at her heart, guys. Yeah, I'm just like keeping it real, Maddie Bolt's Weber. Well, did you know that she did part of Rachel Held Evans' funeral? And she also did the benediction of it? Yes. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't. <laughs> she died in 2019, Rachel did. And she, it was like a very quick, unexpected, do you know about how she died? No. I just know that she died and she had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Correct. Or, or the baby wasn't even one She's yet. about to turn one in a few months or something like that. So she had an allergic reaction to a medication given to her for an infection. Wow. And started having multiple seizures. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So she was hospitalized and no one knew what was going on and they put her in a medically induced coma to stop the seizures. Mm. They kept her in the coma for days, Mm. but it wasn't ideal like for treatment just to be in that state. And they like helicoptered her to another facility and she was at three hospitals and nobody could figure out what was going on at the in the span of like I swear it was like 15 days not even I, it was very short amount of time they began to wean her off of the medication and bring her back she never came to consciousness but as she got off the coma medication her brain the seizures began again at a oh slower rate but then she had like a vitals emergency. All of her vital signs started just freaking out and she had intense swelling of the brain and then she died. Oh my gosh. All from an allergic reaction to antibiotics? Something given to her for infection, yeah. You hardly ever hear a story like that. Very, very rare. I mean, extremely rare. I don't even know if they know now. Like, what actually happened and why. But it was tragic. And it really, really hit her community, which was large at that point. She was already a New York Times bestselling author. Mm. She had started a conference, like a Christian conference called Evolve. Mm. 
and pretty much like the progressive Christians of the time were headlining and coming and speaking and it, I think they'd done two. She died before the third one. Third one, I guess, they still did, but it was much more of like a memorial remembrance time. It probably was. Mm-hmm. It was probably helpful for all the people who were grieving. Yeah. Yeah. So, who's going to go first? Well, you, because you're already talking about her. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't really know much about her. I don't know what books she's written. Uh, well, her first book, Evolving in Monkey Town, I actually read and reviewed And that's the story of, she was from the town where the Scopes monkey trial happened, which is basically, I'm probably going to mess this up, but it's like when they were deciding if you could teach evolution in schools. Mm. And and I think they decided, no, you couldn't or something in that that trial. (laughs) So just to show like a micro of what she was surrounded by, Mm. you know? So when she got to college... She saw, um, it was during the time after uh, September 11th, and she was, you know, watching a lot of the um, news reports about what was going on in the Middle East, and there was a person who was recording on their phone things that were happening there, and she saw a woman dragged out and stoned. She watched the footage, and she remembered in particular her sneaker poking out from under her burka burka (laughs) and so um and just that image alone was the first thing that she was like okay so everything I've learned has taught me that this woman is going to hell because she does not know Jesus as I've received him and she just didn't believe that Oh, man. Seriously, really? though? Really bad. I swear I turned that off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't. <laughs> We're going to have to have our producer work on that. <laughs> Edit that right out. <laughs> oh, it's okay. So, um, from that point, she began. I think she says that, at that she lost faith. Like, mm-hmm. she no longer believed what she believed. And so... Pretty much all of her writings and her work afterwards was trying to reconcile herself to still loving Jesus and still being a person who wanted to believe but had a lot of doubts and a lot of questions and felt like there weren't a lot of good answers. Mm -hmm. And so from that point, she started writing. She started out as a blogger when blogs were cool and she got a huge following and then she wrote a book and then that put her on the... Kind of bigger uh, Christian platform for progressives. Correct. Yep. And her first book was called what? Um, was it was, it that... was called Evolving in Monkey Town originally. It got changed because a lot of people weren't familiar with the Scopes trial and it turned into, I think, called Faith Unraveled. Then, oh, I've heard of that one. And then she did A Year of Biblical Womanhood. She wrote that? Yes. Did you ever read that? I did. Did you like it? Kind of. See, I have this weird thing with Rachel Held Evans' voice because what's so striking to me about her is that she was ever so controversial mm. because she she was so kind and actually very, very like gracious and generous to people and not confrontational. Mm. She just honestly expressed her doubts 
with scholarly knowledge because she loved and knew the Bible and it's and so it always was surprising to me that she was as influential as she was because I always just felt like she's just saying she has doubts yeah like so she wasn't uh, driving home a revolution she was just saying so and asking questions and being honest being honest yeah she wasn't like, fuck this, or like, <laughs> in your face. She was like this Southern person who just had, what I've been thinking about is that, that she was really for her, for the place she was speaking out of, she was controversial. Mm -hmm. Like in a group of Bible Belt believers who all thought X, and she brought in Y, it was just like, ah! Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like such a unbelievable step. But for me, as a person not raised in the church, looking in, I just always felt like this is pretty tame. Right. But it wasn't. I, I have the same belief system as you, not growing up in the church myself. Yeah. Like, it seems wholly, wholly and fully natural to ask questions. Um, because, honestly... Christianity is so weird. Drink the blood. You know, I don't, I've, I've said it a million times. Like I had no comprehension about Christianity, what's Christianity whatsoever. And so people talking about there's three gods. I was like, the fuck? I don't understand. You know, what about questioning and having questions, having uncertainties, doubting what people say is so controversial, so wrong in the circles. It's not the, asking the question it's questioning the validity of pre-existing systems that have always been the way they always have been i don't like that and girls but a girl has a real power to uh shake things up yeah especially in the culture that she's coming out of that is solidly in the complementarian camp that it doesn't matter competency doesn't matter he could be the biggest abusive asshole on the planet that doesn't have any wisdom or solid judgment, but he's the man and therefore gets leadership. And the woman could be, you know, just like this powerhouse teacher, evangelist, whatever, but she needs to be quiet and submit to his decision making. So competency isn't a part of complementarian. And so then egalitarianism is that they are equal, they're uniquely made, they have unique gifts, but there is no hierarchy based on gender. And so how you're gifted or what you're competent at does matter <laughs> and can be a part of how you live out your partnership mm -hmm. with one another. And we brought this up to say this was coming into full circle from you saying she was controversial in complementarism circles. I was spending some time this past week listening to podcasts to do a little research about her. So I just picked up this one podcast. I don't even remember what it is. And the woman was talking about how when she got sick and then she died and this woman's grieving about it. And, um, and then she said, but then I just noticed people that I thought were sound biblical teachers just venerating her and supporting what she had taught. And I was like, hold up. What am I listening yeah. to right now? <laughs> <laughs> and so 
basically this woman was against her. And then she invited on the show another woman who had written an article soon after Rachel Held Evans had died against Rachel Held Evans' teachings. Oh. And her last line of her article was, I truly pray that she turned to Jesus in her last moments. Oh my God. Holy shit. I know. And this other interviewer was saying, you were so brave. It's so appalling. It's absolutely appalling. And I was, I was just really, really floored. Us girls really know how to fuck shit up. <laughs> I just had this visual of all of these powerful women, like literally Maya Angelou and Nadia Boltz Weber and Frida Kahlo and just all these women that, that have posed so much controversy by being loving embracing diversity, having strong voices. That particular podcast, the one thing that they'd said that was like messing with me a little was they were talking about her worldview and how she read scripture, just dismissing it and saying then that that's how those were the lenses she read the scriptures through. Ultimately, she just wanted to put her own worldview onto scripture and never truly surrender to what the Bible actually says. And I feel like that is, uh, when I listen to that, that trips me up. Mm -hmm. That trips me up because people will, will, you know, you meet people who are like, well, I have the biblical view of that. Right. And it's just like, dun, dun. oh, you've got the biblical view. And I'm just an asshole who doesn't know what I'm talking about. But right. you... And so I, I shut that podcast off and I, after I listened to it and I was just kind of like, oh. And so then I listened to one where she was being interviewed, Rachel. Mm -hmm. And she was asked, how do you read scripture? What lens do you read it through? And you know what she said? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> JK. She said, I read scripture through the lens of Jesus Christ. And that... He is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament and the prophets, and his presence is what informs my reading of scripture. Mm. And the interviewers asked her in particular about that question when people say, well, I hold the biblical view. Like, as mm. she's encountered people like that over and over again, how does she deal with that? Mm -hmm. And she was just so great. She was like, I'm so glad you asked me that because um, I get this a lot. And that's something that really sticks in people's heads. But really, it's so arrogant. Because of her? She's saying of herself? No. Of For the people person who drops the I hold the biblical view ah. statement. Because what it preassumes is that I come to scripture with all kinds of biases that are informing when I read scripture. But this other guy or girl doesn't. Mm. And she said, and that's not true. We all bring our biases to the scriptures. Yeah. And she said many times white reformed men are the people who are my big, biggest critics. And they're coming at me as if they have no baggage. Mm. As if they have no culture that's, that's influencing the way they're reading scripture. How Which could that is, possibly be true that they it, don't? Right. That nothing is informing <clears throat> their perspective. Right. They've got it. And they're unbiased. And and her one of her main points is that everyone is biased. Right. 
Sure. And it was so helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just like, oh, God, thank God. Like, <laughs> like, like, just to know that when people try to play that card, it's arrogance of their own believing that they have no biases, which is bullshit. Right. It's interesting because not having a Christian background, I first started attending an Assemblies of God church, which has very strong policies against uh, about modesty, about a woman's place. You know, I took being a wife really seriously. It was really important to me, but I was just such a flounderer, you know? You know, I would even correct you, though. I would sure. say that you actually just took Jesus really seriously. I really did take Christianity. It was so important to me. But and again, I don't think you took Christianity seriously. You're right. I hear what you're saying, and you're totally right. Jesus, I was so close to Jesus, and it was so foreign. Jesus and knowing him and living for him was so foreign to me. I wanted to suck up everything around me to really Do learn. it right, because you had a great amount of love for him. Yeah. And I will also say my conversion into Christianity was paired with legalism. Like when I was praying in the front of the church, when they had called everybody up and said, do you want to surrender your life? While I was praying, I had an older woman named Alfie praying over me and saying like, help her let go of the world, help her let go of the people that have held her back, help her to remain pure and all this stuff, you know? Which was incredibly foreign to me to think about separation from the world. I didn't understand that concept. And I was trying my best to understand something that was so foreign by delving deep into this culture. And it was an incredibly confusing experience, to say the least. But getting back to your point, you wanted to be a good wife. Yeah, and a good follower of Jesus. And I I had no idea how to... (laughs) I was completely, completely clueless. And so I was just listening to those around me that I trusted that all proclaimed they loved Jesus and really fell into some shithole uh, belief systems. (laughs) (laughs) So did you, did you, you fell into a complementarianism? Oh, hell yes. Like I went into the hole. You did. And dirt was thrown over it and covered over it, and nobody ever found me again. I was lost in it. (laughs) And I also was, like, a passionate communicator. And so in my circles of friends, I started sharing that belief system and, like, arguing hard with people about how... For a woman's place? Yeah. Wow. I know. I was that asshole. Um, Especially my, my friend, Dominica Ely was the stronghold. She was Eastern Bloc. She's from Romania. And she was like, this is bullshit. Really? (laughs) Yes. And she would not succumb. I argued so hard with her. And she was like, no, I am partner with my husband. You will never turn me to the dark side. And I was like, Dominica, come on. You know, I was always like trying to have these philosophical conversations with her. Theological, I should say. God bless her. I know. Ika held strong. And now I'm like, you know, that brings up an interesting point about why women fall into believing this. Well, it's a predatory system. I, I mean, it reminds me of MLM, like prey on a woman's need and desire to have power in her life. Or make money. I mean, the MLM part, not right. the Jesus part. Well, that's how it plays out in the MLM, to have 
to have autonomy to make your own income, right. to be a business owner. It's the same kind of setup in the church. You know, it's, it's predatory in that, like, I'm a perfect example. I'm this woman who's had, like, a rough background, a rough childhood, and I'm coming in totally open and humble and vulnerable to what you want to teach me and therefore be oppressed by you and your system. Well, I was going to say there's, like, insecurity in certain areas of life that make you more susceptible to buy a line of bullshit because you are looking for an answer and you don't have the answer and there's all these really confident people who seem like they're doing well mm -hmm. with a pre-packaged answer. Right. And so you take it and you try to put the coat on and it doesn't fit, but you're like, I'm going to get this fucking coat on. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I will wear this coat. I will wear this small-ass, ill-fitting coat everywhere I go. <laughs> and I will tell you it's the best coat I ever had. This coat metaphor is really tripping me up because I feel like you're, you're like, giving a nod to, like, Joseph and the... <laughs> I've got this the Technicolor dream coat. And I'm like, I was not wearing a fucking coat, Xena. I was, like, trying to really change my life. Sorry. <laughs> no apologies necessary. My brain uh, really perceives things in strange ways. So I, was, I wasn't thinking proceed. of Joseph. And you know how I feel about metaphors. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but your point being, preying on the vulnerable. Yeah. And that's when things maybe you wouldn't otherwise agree with. Right. In your own understanding of yourself and the world around you and what you feel is true you put that all aside mm -hmm. and say because I'm in this situation where I am insecure I will agree and I will try my damnedest to be this thing well especially when it's all packaged as this is what the Bible says exactly and so who am I to argue I don't know what the Bible says I'm just learning and when I met Jesus I found something so real and beautiful and was willing to be humble and say, okay, all these other people, they know Jesus too. And so teach me. Right. It's like Moody Bible Institute. Oh God. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> right. It's right. coming in, giving everyone else who says they love Jesus the benefit of the doubt Yeah. and believing that you're safe. Yeah. And then, and the kicky and the teeth. <laughs> so... For me, I think that the most vulnerable vulnerable stage of when that happened to me was in parenting. Mm. So that's when I started looking at more complementarianism ideas about motherhood and marriage and raising kids. Because, me too. Because parenting was where I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. You know, and so I was like, oh, there's a book. Thanks for the book. And, oh, this really successful Christian in my church who seems like their life is perfect loves this, then I should love this. Exactly the same for me, too. Yeah. Oh, I feel so sorry for us. Well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I feel sorry for what we experienced. Yeah. Because it was really oppressive and ugly. Yeah. But, I mean, I think God is faithful, at least he was in my life, to show me, eventually, this is not true, and you are hurting your kids, mm. and you're hurting yourself, and you need to stop caring so much about what these people around you believe, mm. and you need to figure out what you believe as mother. Yeah. And, I mean, I 
I did that. I had to do it eventually because those types of ways of relating to my children as a top-down, you're-going-to-submit-to-me parent just, you know, my kids had to endure it while I was in it for a little bit. But eventually, I just was like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this to them anymore. Yeah. For me, it was a slower evolution into seeing the truth. And it was sadly through a lot of pain. You know what brought it a lot to light for me and my belief systems and how how they were oppressive to me and my family was addiction was what brought that into light. Okay. Is because I was in a Christian community. Well, I wasn't in a Christian community. I was, I intentionally moved into a neighborhood with a bunch of other friends and we all were Christians. Okay. So and that was pretty, amazing. That's pretty close-knit. That is community. Yeah, it was community, but I'm just saying I didn't, like, move into a, a jacuzzi or something, you know, like So a small-scale jacuzzi. <laughs> we made our own little jacuzzi on the west side of Detroit. And we all went to different churches. We had different belief systems. and But the one thing that, like, really tied us together was wanting community. And while we were having community, we were also saying, like, we're adults, and we may have come from these, like, really conservative backgrounds, but we're now adults, and we could drink. And that was great, and it was super fun. And eventually, like, became the primary thing that knit us all together. It was, it, like, overtook, we stopped having Bible studies, and we instead just started having lots of parties. And it was still great and fun, but then some people turned into alcoholics. How Now, now when you say some people... Well, my husband, my ex-husband, <laughs> was one of them. That's a big part. <laughs> <laughs> and there was another um, friend. And, you know, the alcohol just was the impetus for us to all start to feel the feeling, feel the real feelings and the real truths of who we are. It, inhibit, it, in, it gave us inhibition to start to really be ourselves. No, it, it removed inhibition. Oh, that's right. <laughs> as alcohol does so easily. <laughs> yes. And so I started to discover what my truths were. And it didn't look... I wasn't able to follow in the Christian way uh, in how I've been taught in beliefs and principles in how to navigate that really treacherous journey. With your husband, you mean? With my husband. Yeah. We eventually did get divorced. but Yeah, and so my daughter, my oldest daughter, has Down syndrome. And so disability is really what held me back from ever being able to truly conform. Mm -hmm. Because no matter what I did, she would not be perfect. It's What's striking me is like addiction, disability, mm -hmm. like the true hard parts of life where the Christian platitudes no longer work mm -hmm. show us like um, there's more to the story than what you guys are all accepting as the norm you know conformity conformity like just not being able to do it you know yeah and now that's why i like nadia boltz weber okay i don't know that much about her but she's the nice other rock segue, by the way. she's the other rock star i wanted to talk about <laughs> things really nice. i'm a professional podcaster <laughs> and a theologian i've got my mdiv at rockstar university i'm a fucking badass <laughs> It's above Ruby slash Rockstar University. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, but Nadia Boltz Weber, uh, well, I discovered her on a podcast called The Confessional, which I had no idea what I was walking into, but it starts off like a church dirge, 
like these bells, like dong, 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 dong. and then she starts talking about a little bit of her history and then says, this is a space and forgive me. My brain is like, she starts talking about what the confessional space is, is to let go of shame. It's basically like kind of a confessional in the Catholic sense where you come in, confess your sins to be free of them. And that's what the entire show is about. It's like 30 minutes and somebody shares a story and it's anybody, you know, from any walk of life. And I just love that because there's such a beauty in that, like really, truly, that you can be set free by confessing. And, you know, personally, I'm a verbal processor, so I really relate to it. <laughs> but her background is she is a pastor in the Lutheran church and she started to go into that space because she was a drug addict and living that life. And then a friend of hers committed suicide and her circle knew of her, knew that she had like become into recovery and had like a spirit, a spirituality to her. And so they're like, you should do the benediction. And she was like, the fuck? I I'm not anybody, you know? She did it, and then she started attending university and studying theology and got her MDiv, and um, now she's a pastor. And she started a community called House something, and it's for, it's, she specifies that this is a welcoming place for all people. Okay. People LGBTQ, people who are struggling with addiction, like all of the people who feel like they're, they, they can't find a place in the standard church, we welcome you here. And she's really well-liked. And I think it's because she's so welcoming, which is not something that you typically experience in the regular church. Um, so, yeah, I really like her. I really like what she's doing. Yeah, I think that in some ways she's so inclusive, it, like, messes with me. Like, everybody's story is equally as valid. Everybody's experience still gives them, they still have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And it, it messes with me. Because even though I am... Like, that is much more along the lines of who I think I am. Mm -hmm. When it actually comes down to it and you see someone practicing it in earnest, mm -hmm. it's like, uh, maybe I am just a conservative asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. I struggle with the same thing. And I think anybody who has been a practicing Christian probably has to struggle against themselves to be not an asshole yeah. and to strive to let go of our judgment and fully embrace people for who they are. Yeah. It's a really difficult thing to do. And she's there. Yeah, she's fully there. And I, I bet you she would say the same thing that, that we're saying. Because it doesn't come naturally for humans. You know? It comes through loving God and God changing us. She, a lot of her, like, leaving the faith is based in kind of what we're talking about, like where the, the fabric of the norm doesn't hold you, mm. you know, because yeah. she had a medical condition with her eyes that she writes about as oh, a kid. Oh, I do remember hearing and about And so that. she had like a physical abnormality where her eyes looked really huge. Yeah. And she was teased and ostracized from the culture she was within. Mm -hmm. But then she was also like brilliant. So I heard um, once she, her parents were called in by her youth leader and told that Nadia... Oh no, what are you going to say? It's going to be bad. That Nadia answered the questions so quickly in youth group that she wasn't giving the boys a chance to answer. Shut up! No. And so, like, her, that and 
so she basically like you there's something about you intrinsically that doesn't fit here mm. you know mm-hmm. and which is my story with Maz and your story with Matt mm-hmm. and it's like that when those things happen the initial thing is like to kick off away mm-hmm. you know like a swimmer in a lap pool you want to know about thanks Killing it in the Met game, Z. Thanks. <laughs> well, I think we've done it. Yeah. We've done it again. Week number two in the vault. I keep thinking of lots of funny things to say, but they're probably just not that funny. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's stop there then. It's Wait, a wrap. Thank you for listening. And um, write us at JC likesgirls at gmail.com we want to hear from you we want to hear about your stories in the church and share them here yeah i am so curious to hear women's stories girls stories because we have so many experiences that we haven't shared that you and i have discovered in talking with other people like there's been so many experiences that we haven't shared that have really been oppressive to us to our hearts and to our lives, to our yes. to the way we operate in the world. And let's talk about this shit. Yeah. And tell us things you want us to talk about. Yeah. Give us fodder because we don't know what we're doing over here. Um, I'm a professional. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I know what's up. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Peace. See you next time.